0: Hello and welcome to Reasoning Through the Bible. My name is Glenn and and this is Steve. And today we're going to talk about the Sabbath and what God thinks of the Sabbath and how it applies to us. And there's so there's there's a lot in the scriptures about Sabbath keeping, and we're gonna learn about the implications of that. Uh, before we get to that, there's one little section about Moses and the sh- his shining face. So if our guest, if you have your Bible, turn to Exodus, and we're starting at the end of chapter 34, starting at verse 29. And this is where, again, it's, it's this interesting passage where Moses' face is shining. So Steve, can you read from
1: verse 29 down to 35? It came about when Moses was coming down from Mount Sinai and the two tablets of the testimony were in Moses' hand as he was coming down from the mountain, that Moses did not know that the skin of his face shone because of his speaking with him. So when Aaron and all the sons of Israel saw Moses, behold, the skin of his face shone, and they were afraid to come near him, then Moses called to them, and Aaron and all the rulers of the congregation returned to him, and Moses spoke to them, Afterward, all the sons of Israel came near, and he commanded them to do everything that the Lord had spoken to him on Mount Sinai. When Moses had finished speaking with them, he put a veil over his face. But whenever Moses went in before the Lord to speak with him, he would take off the veil until he came out. And whenever he came out and spoke to the sons of Israel what he had been commanded, the sons of Israel would see the face of Moses, that the skin of Moses' face shone, So Moses would replace the veil over his face until he went in to speak with him.
0: Moses goes into the tent of meeting. And again, this is not the formal tabernacle that hadn't been built yet. They had a tent that was the one where until the tabernacle was built, that's where God met with them. So Moses would go to the tent and he didn't realize his face was shining. People would notice his face and pay attention to Moses. Instead of paying attention to God, Moses put this this veil over his face a, after he came out, it says. But when he went in to talk with God, he, w- he would lift the veil. That was, again, so that people wouldn't focus so much on Moses' face, but would instead focus where they should be, which was on God. What's that, Steve? They got distracted by the shining. They got distracted by the shining. And I submit that we can get distracted by shining things and things that may be some glorious secondary aspect of God instead of focusing our attention on God Himself.
1: We, once again, see Moses focusing the people back on God. It's something that we can take to heart that as there's people that might try to distract us by putting the emphasis on them, and that's just exactly what you see. They end up putting the glory on them, And not really focusing the glory on God, that's a key sign to look out for for people that are doing that. Moses always does things to focus the people back on God. And as we've seen, he's actually gone and interceded for them two or three times. So don't be fooled by the shiny things. Always look to see not just what the people are putting on themselves, but compare it to where they putting the glory on. Are they putting the glory to themselves, or are they also putting the glory, or really putting the glory back on God? That's something to be key with when we see people that are trying to be a shiny object to take our focus off of God.
0: I, I think about the exact same thing. People today look for shining things instead of the Lord God. God does miracles, and I, I believe that. And I, th- I think He still does miracles. I just don't believe in gifts of miracle working that happen at 7.30 on Saturday night that's predictable by some guy whose name's on the front of the sign. Those are the type of things that where I think people really get their eye off of where it needs to be, is they get so focused on the miracles instead of the miracle worker. And my friend, don't focus on the miracles. Focus on the miracle worker, which is the Lord God. He's the one that we need to focus on, and not all the all the shining miracle things. This is exactly what was happening here. And it speaks of this event a couple of times over in the New Testament. Second Corinthians 3 tells that Moses' face would slowly stop shining. And people would notice, hey, the, the glow's reducing. He wore the veil so people wouldn't pay so much attention to that. Instead of the Lord God, Moses would put the veil over his face so people wouldn't see the glory fading away. And it was just because, again, Moses was getting them to focus on the Lord God. Second Corinthians says Israel's mind is veiled. These passages in the New Testament that talk about Israel's mind being veiled, but when they turn to the Lord, the veil is lifted. This is the analogy. This is the event. So there's even more of these passages in the New Testament. We really don't get the full meaning without understanding these Old Testament passages. And I would also finish this chapter with this, Steve. If people are around God, can you see it in them? Do they glow? Maybe not a physical glow, but can you tell from somebody? Do they have an attitude about them, a glow in their personality that you can tell?
1: Yeah, the attitude and personality and their demeanor are all ways, and as well as the advice that they might give or the characteristics that they might have. I do believe that you can tell somebody that is really getting close to God and having a close relationship with God.
0: So let's go ahead and move on to the next chapter, chapter 35. And the first three or four verses here, talk about the Sabbath day. And we want to stop here for a second and, and spend a little bit of time on the Sabbath day. This section in Exodus 35 is the fourth time in Exodus that it talks about the Sabbath. He repeats these commands at least five more times in Leviticus, and one time after that in Deuteronomy. You add all that up, it's at least 10 times in the Pentateuch that God commands Israel to keep the Sabbath, 10 times. If he says it four times in Exodus Five more times in Leviticus and once in Deuteronomy. Is he trying to make a point here? There's a point of all this. So let's read the verses and then we can talk about it. Steve, if you could read the first three verses of Exodus chapter 35.
1: Then Moses assembled all the congregation of the sons of Israel and said to them, These are the things that the Lord has commanded you to do. For six days work may be done, but on the seventh day you shall have a holy day, a Sabbath of complete rest to the Lord. Whoever does any work on it shall be put to death. You shall not kindle a fire in any of your dwellings on the Sabbath day. So, Steve,
0: is God serious about keeping the Sabbath?
1: He is, as we've mentioned on the other times. And at the beginning of this session, I kiddingly said, well, this is like the 14th time or 15th time that we've talked about it. Do we have to go through it again? But it's because if God repeats it, as you just said a while ago, if God repeats it, then there's a reason why he repeats it. We've also noticed that us as human beings have very short memories and we forget. And then a third practical reason is we never know that the people, the listeners or viewers, whenever they might just pick up a particular session and not be with us on every session. So if we were to say, oh, the next chapter starts talking about the Sabbath. We've already talked about the Sabbath and other sessions. We're not go- we're going to skip over it. I think that there's things that we would miss and that we should not do things like that because God has a purpose in repeating it, and we need to discuss it.
0: So let's look at verse 2. It says, Six days work may be done, but on the seventh day you shall have a holy day. So the Sabbath was to be a holy day, a Sabbath of complete rest to who? To the Lord, to To, Yahweh. To the Lord. So it is a holy day of rest to the Lord. Can I rest to the Lord? We've heard of people working for the glory of the Lord. Is it possible to rest for the glory of the Lord?
1: (laughs) Well, uh, apparently so. On those times whenever we rest, we should meditate on His Word and meditate on Him and get to know Him in a more personable way.
0: So a holy day, something that's holy, is set aside for a holy purpose. So in this case, a holy day is set aside for the glory of God, and it is set aside for Him. That's the idea, is we can indeed rest in the Lord. We can slow down. Take away from the busyness of the week and rest in the Lord. That's the idea here is don't work seven days a week. It's not healthy for you, and it's not honoring to God. So that's the general focus, and it's not complicated. Why is it we mess it all up?
1: Well, I think because we end up putting the focus on us once again, and we get things out of whack, and we just don't put them in the right perspective. And we we, we try and leave, and we don't try to. We leave God out of it all together. What do we think of a a restful day? Taking the kids to some sort of a sports practice or going watching a sports game or going and doing some activity? Really, is it a day of rest or is it a day of doing things that we want to do? I think here God is clear. Take a day of rest and focus on me. Make it separate and holy. Set it aside Focus on me. And then when you do that, you'll truly be able to rest.
0: Look at the end of verse 2. The end of verse 2 gives us the penalty for working on the Sabbath. What's the penalty for violating the Sabbath? Put to death. Put to death. Now, that sounds very serious there, Steve. Sounds like he's serious about this thing. It's not a slap on the wrist. Putting people to death for working on the Sabbath? God was quite serious about this. And what we'll get... Come back to more of that as we go through this. But verse three, you shall not kindle a fire in any of your dwellings on the Sabbath day. What's wrong with kindling a fire? What's the big deal about starting a fire?
1: If you do the day before in order to chop the wood and kindle the fire, then that's fine. But if you're not, then you're doing it on that day. You're going out, taking the wood, chopping it, taking and breaking it down, kindling it. So there's some work that's involved in building the fire. Once again, here we see it. We we end up focusing on ourselves.
0: Today, we don't always get it. Today, in our modern kitchens and things, we flip a switch. or, Or sometimes now with modern electronics, we can just say, and the fire will start. But back then, as you pointed out, chop the wood, start a fire with friction, a fair amount of work to start a fire. So that's the context here is that it was a lot of work. To go out and get the wood and start the fire and he's saying that's too much work just relax don't don't work let's take this over into our day so he's saying no work if you do work on the sabbath you're going to get killed what would happen in our day in our modern times if we passed a national law that was exactly like this one. What would happen in our in, in our world today if we said nobody can work? No, no, no starting of any fires, no nothing. Well, this would be, I submit, complete disaster simply because that means the police can't work. Firefighters can't work. You know, if, if, if a random lightning bolt catches one house on fire, we just have to sit there and let it burn down the whole neighborhood because the fire... Department can't work. None of us can put it out. We need water and electricity. There's people that depend on electrical appliances. Electricity is fire. There's people that die without electricity today. So it's just not practical in our day to have these exact same laws. Wouldn't you agree?
1: Well, yeah. And also our society has gotten to a point where crime is rampant, and everywhere, and we have a lot of people that wouldn't observe it. (laughs) The criminals wouldn't observe it. They'd be out working all, all the time because they know that the police and the other entities aren't working, and they'd be able to do whatever they want to.
0: So go back to the death penalty thing. Where does that come into play over in the New Testament? One of the primary motivations for the Jewish leaders was to catch a very important person in the Gospels working. What, what where does that come into play?
1: There are several different places whenever Jesus does things. He heals on the Sabbath. Him and his disciples are walking through the grain fields, picking heads of the grain and eating them. And the Pharisees call him about it. And you'll see in the, in the New Testament, they pointed out that these things took place on the Sabbath. And that's the background. They're trying to catch him working on the Sabbath because of this death penalty. And, and look, we know that they were trying to find a reason to kill Jesus because it tells us at a couple of points that they went off and they conspired to try and figure out a way that they could, to could actually arrest him and put him to death. So this was one way. This is one of their tactics Let's try and find him working on the Sabbath so that we can impose this death penalty on him.
0: So that's the motivation of a lot of the Gospels that you don't really get unless you've studied the Old Testament law. It fills in a lot of the gaps. So the Sanhedrin, which was the Jewish government, the leadership council, had, of course, decided along with the traditions of the rabbis and the teachings of the rabbis, they had set up a whole set of traditions. What we just read was pretty much it. Yes, God repeated, don't do any work. But of course, people being people, what constitutes work? Well, there's a whole series of discussions amongst the rabbis. Let me just go through a few of these to try to get an idea of how far this went. So one of the things... You couldn't do on the Sabbath is carry your tools. You can't carry your tools because that's considered work. Not only use the tool, you can't even carry the tool. Okay, so if you can't carry a tool, that means you can't carry any tool, which means a tailor can't carry a sewing needle. And legitimately, they got into discussions about this. And there's discussions amongst the rabbis that if the tailor sticks the sewing needle in his clothes by accident and carries it around by accident, well, that's okay as long as he takes it out as soon as he notices it. But if he just says, you know, I think I'm going to carry my needle today, then he's guilty of working on the Sabbath and is deserving of death. Placing an object in someone's hand is work. Whereas if I hold it out and you take it out of my hand, Then you worked and I didn't. So placing an object in somebody's hand, writing, drawing, or using a rubber stamp, this this is work. Washing or sewing or tying or untying anything. Can't tie your shoes on the Sabbath if you're back in those days. So modern day Sabbath keepers still carry this on. There's modern day Sabbath keepers that will not turn on the stove on the sabbath because that's lighting a fire forget about it. it's not chopping wood and friction rub two sticks together no it's just you know punch the button that's starting a fire so they'll turn on the stove before sundown friday and leave it going on low or here's the extent because i was doing research on this this way steve erasing is considered work so you can tear open a package. To get the food out, this is today. These are modern-day Sabbath keepers. You can tear open the package to get the food out. That's not considered work. But if you tear the wording on the package when you're opening it, you've just erased something, and that's considered work. So I submit to you the same exact legalism that was going on in Jesus's day is still there today.
1: And... The mindset is if you break one law, then you've broken all of the law. And of course, these are extensions to the ridiculous extreme of your pointing out of keeping this law. One of my favorite is is that apparently walking wasn't working and you could walk, but they did put a restriction on how far they could walk uh, from their home. So what they would do is in order to prepare the day before, they would put maybe some household items so far from their home and hang it in a tree or put it there at the tree so that then they could extend their walk another a distance beyond where those household items were because where those household items were, that technically was part of their house. You just see all this, what we would think and what we see as ridiculousness that was put into this. So in one way, they went to this extreme in order to worship God and honor God but then in other ways, they just completely abandoned God. It's just really interesting when you go through all these books and see the different things that they did.
0: So Jesus deals with this in the Gospels. He says this, quote, the Sabbath was made for man and not man for the Sabbath in Mark two twenty-seven. So what do you think he meant by that? What does he mean when he says the Sabbath was made for us and not us for the Sabbath? What's he talking about?
1: I think he's saying is that that God provided this time of rest so that we would rest, number one, but we would also meditate, and I don't mean sit with your legs cross-legged and go into a transcendental state. That's not what I mean by meditation. I mean pondering God, understand who God is and think about Him. Because we saw in other passages the Sabbath was clearly associated with creation and God creating the, the, the world in all creation. So it was uh, there to as a part of honoring God, Yahweh, as all the creator. What's there for us, our purpose for us to be able to rest and honor God, think about God, who He is and what He's done. It's not the other way for man to be able to, to go to the extreme of what they were doing to try and keep people from not doing quote unquote work.
0: In John chapter 5, Jesus heals the man at the pool of Bethesda and he had been lame for 38 years the text says. And Jesus told him rise, take up your bed and walk. Well the bed was a was a mat that he could roll up and tuck under his arm. When the Jews see this man and they say who said to you you take up your bed and walk?
1: Well they, they said, well, what are you doing walking? And this is somebody that they had seen at this pool because he was there quite often the the text is clear that he was there looking for the stirring of the water so that he might be healed because that was what they thought they had seen sometimes so this was a man that at least some of them knew and their first thought is hey wait a minute what are you doing walking with your mat their first <laughs> their first thought wasn't was hey wait a minute aren't you the guy that's been sitting outside and and has been Did you get healed? No. Their first thought is, what are you doing walking with a mat? It's the Sabbath. This man, his life was entirely
0: changed. I mean, this was a manual labor society. He could work now. He could provide for his family. It it just, everything changed. And the first thing they're worried about is, who told you to carry that? And again, it's something you could tuck under your arm and, and carry around. That shows the degree why Jesus would say the Sabbath is not supposed to be this burden that's laborious to us of having to do all these rules. Just relax and worship God. That's what he's saying. The Jews were trying to kill him because of that. And in John seven twenty three, Jesus points out that the Jews would circumcise babies on the Sabbath, Because remember, they were supposed to circumcise the baby on the eighth day. And so you could circumvise babies. And he says, quote, if a man receives circumcision on the Sabbath so that the law of Moses will not be broken, you're angry with me because I made an entire man well on the Sabbath? That was his point, is we shouldn't get into these arm wrestling matches over what constitutes work and, and I mean tearing packages and carrying needles and, and, and this, is just, this is just carrying it to a ridiculous Extent Matthew 12, he heals a man in a synagogue on the Sabbath. And the Jews were already set in a trap for him. And he told them man, stretch out your hand. And that's how he healed them. Jesus didn't do anything. That just infuriated them. And they were still looking for a way to kill him. In our New Testament, what's the rule about Sabbath in the New Testament, Steve? It says in Romans 14, don't divide over Sabbath keeping. And our righteousness is not measured by doing things. Our, our righteousness is measured
1: by Christ. In the New Testament, you had the the Gentiles that were able to have salvation now in a relationship with God. It wasn't exclusive. They didn't have to convert to Judaism. They didn't have to become an Israelite in order to have a relationship with God anybody could through the death, burial, and resurrection with Jesus Christ by believing that he died for them and is resurrected. As that happened, as it spread from the Jewish community into the Gentile community, you had these uh, Jewish ones that said, oh, you've got to keep the Sabbath, and here's all the rules that you got to do with it. And that's what Paul was addressing. Hey, look, you're a Gentile. You don't have to keep that law. And if if you want to, go ahead. If there's Jewish people that want to keep it, go ahead. Let them go ahead and keep it. Praise to them. If you want to do it, praise to them. But if you don't have to, and if they don't do it, then praise to them. Don't be a nitpicker. And you're Gentiles. The law isn't imposed on you. So you don't need to worry about it.
0: Romans 14 and Colossians 2.16 both say that we're not to judge people in the church age because of Sabbath keeping. People want to keep the Sabbath, praise the Lord. If they don't want to keep the Sabbath, praise the Lord. I've said this before on, on this study. My day job for most of my adult life was sitting at a, at a desk. And if I were to be forced to sit all day on the Sabbath, it would have been bad for my body. It was relaxing for me to get up and do some physical things. It it was very relaxing to me. It gave me a chance to have the energy to praise the Lord. We'll probably wrap up there for today. There's at least one more study in the book of Exodus. It's going to go a little bit quicker from here on out because it starts to repeat some of the commands. We've covered a lot in Exodus, and this is really great stuff. But we trust that you'll be back with us again as we continue
1: to reason through the Bible. Thank you for watching and listening. May God bless you.